0: So welcome to the Rise of the Superbeing podcast. I'm Vanderson Pires, your host, and today my guest is Catherine Burkett. Catherine is a neuroscientist, and she did an awesome TED Talk uh, named Neuroscience of Device Zombies. What a cool name. (laughs) (laughs) How was that? First, Uh, welcome to uh, the Rise of the Superbeing for the second time. (laughs) We did a whole podcast yesterday and unfortunately the audio failed and I'm so sorry and I'm so grateful for you to coming back. So thank you so much for... For coming back, please. Thank you.
1: Not a problem. And that's all that resilience is, isn't it? Yeah. Get back home and <laughs> yeah. do it again. No, it was great. It was great fun. So it's good to be here again.
0: Uh, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you so much. So how was the... So first, can you please tell us a little bit of your background and how did you start to study neuroscience? Even I have... An, uh, y- yesterday, I was trying to pronounce this name because you have a master in education psychology in sequen- sequential. I cannot say this <laughs> name. <laughs> Can you? Neurosequential
1: please? model of therapeutic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Neurosequential, the brain is neuro and sequential is that the brain develops from the bottom to the top. Uh-huh. So it's sort of acknowledging that if things happen early in life, they've impacted the lower parts of the brain. Mm. So if we want to repair, then we go back to the early parts of the brain to repair. And the beautiful thing about the early parts of the brain as they were developed when we touched our babies and rocked our babies and sung to our babies, Uh which is why – movement and exercise and music and drama is actually really good for developing the brain so it's it's really beautiful science and big words and yeah. big research <laughs> to say hey let's get out and be connected human beings and and that's actually how we heal and how we become better people so uh-huh. it's
0: pretty cool pretty cool. that's awesome so catherine how wh- why this subject got your your attention
1: Yeah, I first worked in an activity centre, which is where children who didn't quite fit into school went. Mm. And I recognised the amazing intelligence and ability of some of the kids there. Mm. Yet we knew that they wouldn't be going along the normal channel of getting themselves to a place where they could really excel. So I went and studied educational psychology psychology at university. Um, loved it then worked for an organization called brainwave trust and talked about the neuroscience of the brain and one loved the information and two loved talking to audiences yeah. <laughs> like, you. um yeah and so then i just studied more and did the neurosequential model of therapeutics with dr perry and now i have my own business engaged training and i train all over the country i w- was training internationally but not at the moment um oh. so yeah just love it just get out and train and talk about how to keep us the most healthy in our brain as well as our body which is pretty cool Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm.
0: awesome so how about your your ted talk that's that was a yeah really really good one i really recommend i'm gonna even post the link on the description of the video so you guys can check it out also just don't forget if you're listening this podcast on spotify or apple cast remember you can watch that as well on youtube so how was that 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 that, the the experience of the ted talker because it was, was really, really good.
1: Thank you. I'm really <laughs> glad it was good um, because I got so nervous. I, I love presenting. I can present to oh, – I had 1,400 people in an audience a few months ago. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but never been so nervous in my life. Mm. Um did a test run the day before and absolutely lost the plot Uh and and so practiced and practiced and practiced all night all morning and got so sick of the speech by the time I got on the um, stage but and it took quite a long time for it to come out because I called it neuroscience of device zombies they took ages to release it Mm. Um, so I was waiting waiting because I was so scared I was going to look like a zombie on the stage and just standing there because I can't remember it Um, so I'm really glad when you Uh watch it I don't actually look too bad um, but that's purely luck because yeah it was but it was amazing experience and it's one of those things we push ourselves into and we get really scared and we get really worried and I could have failed really badly mm. but we we do that don't we but I love it and I'm I'm really pleased that I've I've had that experience and mm. that I've got the TED talk so yeah
0: that's awesome that's super cool so Catherine you start your TED talking <laughs> asking you know talking about the, the the this idea of giving kids alcohol right? A three years old alcohol, wine. Yeah? So how can you explain a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so I it's obviously not true. I don't feed yeah. my babies, <laughs> my young babies um, alcohol. But the idea of screens and devices is they've been introduced into our world and they, they didn't get through an ethics committee. Nobody said actually, are these going to be okay? Are they not? They were just brought in. Mm. And if you watch the social dilemma or talk to really anyone, we can see that they're not good they're, they're not good in lots of ways. In some ways they're brilliant. There's lots of things about screens that are great, but there's some really negative things. And it's sort of like when smoking first came out, we thought it was sexy and it helped me breathe better and it was great for my lungs. And now we realize <laughs> it actually kills you, you know? So yeah. um, what we've got to start doing is recognizing the good and the bad about screens. And so that's what my TED talk tries to do is just to give you a bit of neuroscience around why screens could be good and why screens could be bad, what balance is needed, and and gives parents and other whanau just really the the drive to start being careful of this, to start um, keeping. Our kids away from screens too much because it's not fair. It's like having alcohol around in the house and saying, "Yeah, carry on, you know, drink it if you want." But of course, we would if we, there was no boundaries around it. So uh-huh. that's why I use the analogy of alcohol.
0: Yeah, mm, yeah, that no, was a great one. So, Catherine, let's start with the let's start with the bad things first. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your studies? What what has been showing has been very bad on the the kids brain so let's start with the the kids so you can go up to teenagers to the adults
1: yeah well and and it's if you've grown up and you're an adult now and you spent most of your life without a screen without a device Mm. you're probably okay i mean whatever you do is going to change your brain slightly it's just early on our brain is changing so fast that the impact is so much more and everything we do next is built on what we did before so you can imagine if you're not moving a lot of our kids don't move enough they don't balance um, they can't hold books they can't spin you know like they can't Uh cross midlines and so it's because they're not practicing they're not doing things and so that's what we look at screens is is what are our kids doing on the screens and what's that doing to their brain and then what aren't they doing? And so the big thing about what aren't they doing is they're not moving and they're not exercising. So that's the one bad thing. But the the negative about being on screens is that the way our brain works is the more you repeat something, the more you learn it and the more it gets laid down in the brain. The process is called myelination. And so what we think about on screens is what are our kids doing again and again and again? Am I doing quite violent sometimes, quite um they ridicule people a lot. Even if you're watching YouTube things and stuff like that, there's a lot of people being sort of really sarcastic and mean to each other a lot. And, and there's a lot of things on screens that are just done again and again and again. And if we keep watching them, they become normal. Mm-hmm. And, and I gave the analogy yesterday, and, and, I, and I like people to think so, anyone listening. Think inside your head, think in your head one word that a dog would say. And for most people, not everyone. Most people, the word's woof. Yeah. Because old McDonald says a dog says woof, and 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 Harry McCleary says a dog says woof. And we've heard it so many times, we've laid down that connection. Mm-hmm. So um, now, what I want you to do now, though, is I want you to think: Where is my evidence? Mm. Okay. So then, have you ever observed a dog with its lips in a W movement? The dog can't <laughs> get its lips into a woof. So no dogs actually ever said woof. Okay. Yeah. So. You've heard woof so many times, you just believed it, you didn't have any evidence, and if you've known someone of a younger generation, you've probably taught them that a dog says woof. So what we know is the brain doesn't say, oh, that's the correct piece of information, let's myelinate that. It's whatever's repeated. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you think a dog says woof, and I'll keep teaching little kids that a dog says woof, it doesn't matter. Uh But some things do. Um these people are bad. these people are you know this um it's okay to hurt people. It's okay to put people down. This is the way that relationships are. this is the way that friendships are. this is the way that romantic relationships are. This is makes you good, this makes you bad. Uh-huh. Um what my body should look like, what you know like my language should be, all of these things, if we hear them enough, uh-huh. they lay down the truth for us. And and that's the stuff that starts getting really scary because some of the messages, some of the things on screens, are actually not healthy. They're really not, and and we don't even notice. You didn't know you'd been <laughs> told the you know a lie yeah. um, about a dog says woof, and and that's that's what worries me a lot about screens, about the constant use of them. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: hmm. yeah. Just reminder something. I always I always say to to my students, you know the the change of a habit is too light to be felt until it's too heavy to be broken the the power of repetition or good doesn't matter if you're repeating something good or bad it's it's going to become very powerful and very hard to break the habit right
1: and like you say too light to notice so Mm. it just happens and it's like all of a sudden we our kids are talking a certain way or being a certain way or acting a certain way and we go oh where did that come from and could potentially have just come from watching something on a screen. I mean, you look at how some children who have spent so much time in front of the T V, New Zealand kids who haven't had much interaction but have watched T V can have American accents from just watching oh, American shows, you know? And you're like, How's that? you know? Yeah. So yeah, so it's it, it, <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. Hmm. That's so interesting,
0: yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, and I love what you said about the, the development of development of the body as well, coordination and all of that, because, you know, I see at the, the, the academy teaching people as well, we, we, we can see when someone has been active and someone has not been that active, huh? yep. the consequence of that.
1: Yeah, and you think about the long-term benefits when you become an older person, mm. you know, when you're thinking about muscle thing, if you haven't, got it we're gonna lose it faster and things like that and just strength of you know your abdominal muscles to hold your back up and things like that it's just it's just things that our kids naturally did when you watch kids they just spin and jump and run yeah. and um, unless they're on a device mm. yeah and when they're on a device that's it and and what don't they do what 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 aren't they doing with creativity and what aren't they thinking up and they're sitting there and they're bored and you go yeah you're yeah. bored <laughs> Find something to do and next minute they've got a box or my kids used to have this great big soft ball and a um, bat and they used to play like inside the house because it was a soft ball or you'd, next minute they'll be playing some game that I've never even thought of and they'd come up with a game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just think what that does to our brain. It's, it's amazing. You hand them a tablet and they're going to do what's on the tablet. There's no creativity there. There's no exploration. There's no finding yourself in there. And I just... Mm-hmm. And a bit of it's fine. A bit's fine. Every now and then, chucking them on there and they zombie out, that's fine. But where's your balance? Mm. Mm.
0: So, Catherine, what's what's the early age now? What's the average early age to have access to device in developed develop countries? As
1: soon as they can pick it up. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing how young our kids are accessing devices and um, you know looking at them and actually being able to open up you know get the password in and play with them or parents are giving them things at a very young age uh, because it keeps them quiet mm. you know it's and it's a lot tidier it's a lot easier it really gives you lots of peace um, and and so yeah right from when they can probably even before they can hold it you know propping it up in front of them or something there, there is there, there's some young kids accessing devices and then they get onto them for longer and longer periods of time as they get older mm. mm-hmm.
0: so Catherine, you you told me something yesterday and i was shocked because first i i already thought for this was a law or something like that or common sense but phones are not illegal schools right <laughs> i was shocked when you say it's not illegal so you, all the kids can have their phones i didn't know that
1: yeah all day and and in class Mm. and it depends on you know some schools have a full policy but most schools it's up to the teacher's decision whether you can have um, phones in class and if you if you look at lunch times which i'd love every school to, to ban devices all day. There's no reason to have a device. Um, you know, oh my goodness, but I need to tell my child when they need to be home. Yeah, well they can get it back at the end of the day. Um, but at lunchtime you see them and they're all sitting around and they're just on devices and they're not moving and they're not talking to each other. And they might be, oh no, they're talking to each other on here. But there's not this face-to-face nonverbal communication that's so important to us. When we grow up and we meet strangers especially or we're in a group of people that we don't know so much, you rely a lot on nonverbals. Mm. Or when you're with good friends and they are worried or scared or upset. you know. So those nonverbals are really important. Mm-hmm. And our kids are not spending enough time in this sensitive period of developing this learning non-verbal communication they're uh-huh. just sitting on these devices
0: yeah that's insane
1: yeah so no they're not and, they're, and and they're even a lot of schools require your own devices byod bring your own devices and they require devices and they require learning on it now some learning needs devices there's a lot of learning we don't need devices well yeah it's just easy it's it's a lot easier and it's easier to keep track of it i get all that but we've got to start recognizing what the negatives on our brain are, and there are a lot that mm-hmm. we're, a lot of stuff we're missing out on. Yeah. Mm.
0: Any good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there's
1: lots of good stuff. Uh, I mean, one of the really amazing things is the ability to to FaceTime people, you know, to mm. to Skype or to Zoom people. And there's a really neat story of a um, little, you know, a little toddler, and she was um, FaceTiming her grandparents in Australia, and they were on all the time, you know, from when she was a baby, and she would FaceTime them. And then they went to Australia to their um, grandparents' big um, anniversary, and and they walked in the room and there was lots of people in the room. And this wee girl had never physically met her grandparents because she'd never met them, but she'd FaceTimed all the time and she ran straight over to her grandparents and uh, hugged them. And, cool. and when you think about that, when especially at the moment with this separation, how beautifully we can keep relationships and we can keep, you know, connections. And it, so that's a fantastic thing about screens. Information, as long as we're careful with it, you know, understanding that there's more going on in the world, Um, learning about things. I mean, we used to have to find the encyclopedia and (laughs) open it up, which was great. and It was exciting. But now you can Google things and find out about, you know, the Eiffel Tower and how many things and actually see it from 3D. And how cool is that? So there's a lot of really good things. Um, we can find things, a lot of people with difficulties learning um, can use devices to help them learn better because they give them, um, you know, they can, they can help that learning space. So there are a lot of good things. So essentially I ask, when you're on this screen, what do you think is growing in your brain? <laughs> you know, is it, oh wow, I'm learning this and this new stuff or am I actually myelinating some really weird and maybe negative spaces and also keeping my body in a a stress response and a lot of our time on the computer when we're doing um, gaming and social media we're keeping our body in a state of stress which is really bad for our health so what's going on do you think in the brain good or bad good then that's okay bad then, how long are you going to let that go on? Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's, that's, I mean, because we can all do bad stuff every yeah. now and then. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's, the, but there's some, there's some really good stuff about screens, obviously. Mm-hmm. Keeping in contact, we can let kids, you know, like we don't have to organize things. I love it because I don't have to organize anything. I can just decide at the moment and text my kids if I need to mm-hmm. let them know something. So I love all that stuff, but we've just got to work out what is okay and what isn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, um, even even from our, our talk yesterday I, I just made a few notes you know for for example uh, the, highlighting the negative things you no know, so fear of missing out uh, unrealistic ex- expectations negative body image uh disturbing in sleep patterns this i yeah i i talked to friends myself experience a lot of that uh, for me the remedy against the the, the sleeping it's you not know, to be able to uh, deal a little bit with this bad uh, thing about the social media. It's mindfulness meditation, but it's it's a battle. It's not mm. that easy. Uh, for sure, the social media has has a very very strong, powerful influence on our sleeping patterns. No?
1: Mm-hmm. And there's there's some science behind it. First of all, our, our middle age adolescents. So. And all of, every time you're ever given an age, it's an idea. Mm-hmm. But around about fifteen-ish, sixteen-ish for our adolescents, the brain actually changes in the release of melatonin. So melatonin makes us, you know, helps us go to sleep. And so they've seen research that shows it can be up to an hour, and some research suggests even up to two hours later, it resets itself. And they think that's because historically adolescents sort of looked after the village at night; it was they were on night shift. Mm-hmm. So it's like this natural. Shift, and now your kids are going to sleep after than you. You know, like oh, I'm tired, and they're like, I'm not tired, which is natural, and that's that's normal. But what we then do is we go to bed and we leave them with their devices, and and a couple of things are happening when we increase our status. So if we're playing games. Or when we um, have social media, when we get relationships, we get dopamine pings, and dopamine is a pleasurable mm. chemical. And so you sort of, that's the addiction thing that I talk about on my um, TED talk. And so they go, oh, another one, oh, another one. And it's keeping your stress response going, which is cortisol, which is one of the chemicals in the stress response. And that reduces melatonin, mm. right? So already you've got an understanding of that. Um, the blue light on the screen actually reduces melatonin if people have um seasonal affect deficiency disorder which you know they get a lot in um, england with all the darkness or people have jet lag issues we use blue lights to stimulate their wake-up cycle Mm. and blue lights are on the screen so all the
0: time yeah yeah,
1: so parents go to bed and leave their kids with screens and go don't use them which is really not fair because all of us, well, not all of us, but most of us, including myself, can admit that it's quite hard to turn off a screen. Yeah. So really, one big message is: do not leave them up the screens. And people go, well, "How do I do that?" And I go, <laughs> "Yeah, put them in your room, you know, or you put them some you know, like you can put them at the other side of your room and leave them there. You don't have to have them near you, but." don't don't let our kids stay up with these things and expect them to be able to control their behavior because then they do, they start till two, three o'clock in the morning and mm. they're tired the next morning, then they miss school and then that negative cycle can happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely, there's natural things about sleep change and then there's unnatural environmental, you know, a new our modern environment things that can affect it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Catherine, what's the the safe age to unleash a little bit the kids? <laughs> what's the safest when 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 the brain it's a, it's a little bit more capable to to handle this amount of uh, of damage and stress? <laughs> well,
1: if, if, I mean, if you if were if you were serious, uh, it would be eighteen. You know, like it would be eighteen, nineteen when the brain is really beautifully developed. Mm. Um, but my children have had devices younger than that, and it's not that's not the age I'm saying. If we were going scientifically. What we have to recognise is if we think about alcohol, Mm. if we were introducing our kids to alcohol, we wouldn't say, oh, off you go, go to your first party and just do whatever you like and here's a bottle of rum and, you know, don't drink too much of it, right? You you wouldn't do that. (laughs) You would teach them, you'd say, this is how much, have a drink of water in between, you know, check in with yourself, all of this sort of stuff and we'd put all these safety parameters around it Mm. and depending on where they're going and who they're with and how old they are, those parameters would be different. So for our little ones on a screen it's about not letting them have that um if they've got phones for whatever reason a lot of people who live in different houses it's it's actually something that you sort of need or um then just grab the phone when they come home and you have the phone for the evening so that it's it's not a temptation for them as they get older they should be able to monitor that themselves better but it also depends on the addictive personality or the sort of um, personality of the child so you Parents are the best ones to decide, but you have to actually be truthful and, and don't, and they're going, oh, I'm just going to my room to do some homework, you know, and like, where's your phone? Uh, well, give me your phone and off you go and do your homework, you know, stand up and be strong enough to put those boundaries in for our kids. Yeah, so it's not an age thing. It's a it's a you balance and stuff like that, and and work it out. And like I said, if a you know if our four or five six year old is playing a game on the computer that's a little bit fun and stuff like that, and then that's okay for a little while. But we don't want to be doing that younger uh, than that, and we don't want to be doing it for too long. So mm. yeah, so it's totally up to the situation, but depending on the age and the ability, we we monitor it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. So, Catherine, how about uh, teenagers? versus depression anxiety
1: yeah there's been some quite good studies out um unfortunate well unfortunately at least we understand I suppose a little bit of where it's coming from but creating quite a clear link between social media especially and um, depression anxiety etc and um, Jonathan Haidt, um, H I H A I D T, is his last name. He wrote The Coddling of the American Mind. And so in his book, he has lots of statistics and, and, and links between, uh, especially using screens in middle school, as they call it, so our intermediate-ish school, when the brain is really, really pushing towards socialization. So when our kids hit puberty, and whatever age that is, because there's a big span of that, when our kids hit puberty, their bodies change. Um, And one of the main reasons their bodies change is so that they can reproduce and I always say at that stage I'm not (laughs) suggesting reproducing, Uh but they can reproduce. So the signal goes I can I can produce a baby So my brain has to go from being a child being looked after to becoming the protector So all these things change in the brain to become a protector and when you when that happens It's sort of an upgrade in the brain, it's beautiful. The brain just works so hard, but because it's working so hard, it sort of glitches. It's like uploading a new um, program. And so some of the things that can be really affected by social media and screens is facial recognition. So we have to upgrade our ability to recognize faces. So while the brain's glitching, upgrading, it sort of goes back to a bit of a simple um, recipe. So if you smile with your adolescent, that's fine. But if you look confused or hungry, they'll go, why are you angry at me? And adolescents always (laughs) get, you know, you're angry at me. And you're like, no, I'm not because they see angry or sad, any sort of negative emotions. So what that means is they find it harder to read emotions, which means it's safer behind a screen. Mm. But they're upgrading their facial, um, you know, ability to read facial expressions, which means they need more time face-to-face to learn that. Otherwise they'll become an adult who finds it very difficult to read complex facial expressions. So in perspective taking, thinking about somebody else or caring about, you know, thinking that they can have a different idea to you, is upgrading as well. So that makes them quite confused and, and, and self-absorbed, which means being behind here mm. is, is a lot easier. And so that's a natural place for our kids to be in adolescence. And we went through that, but we still had to be social. Now they can just hide behind here. And so it's quite scary how... In adolescence, when we're more it's more essential for us to be social and be out and be pushing ourselves into slightly uncomfortable positions, it's a lot easier for parents to let them live behind here. And another thing that can be quite um, and important so much that changes in the adolescent brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that we find with social media and why girls can be affected so much. And when I say girls, I don't mean all girls and some boys are affected by this. It's just a generalized um, sp- statement. Uh, is when we hit puberty, we activate a lot of estrogen, females, and then um, estrogen creates oxytocin. And oxytocin is our bonding hormone where we fell in love with our babies. <clears throat> and so when we fell in love with our babies, we just had to be with them all the time, right? And so our adolescent girls are getting this increase, you know, it's all along a spectrum of this oxytocin and you see it when they meet other girls and they've seen them five minutes before but they and so they love being with each other and that's because we want to form a clique of girls to help us raise our babies, right? And so that's biology and it's evolution and stuff, which is cool. But what it meant when I was an adolescent is, yes, you wanted to be with those girls. If you got kicked out, you felt horrible. You felt terrible. Now, the same biology is happening, Mm -hmm. but we have these devices that you get home and you can get kicked out, not just of groups. You can just post something and nobody likes it or, you know, all of these things that increase how many times you're pushed in and out of a group Uh so we can see that there's a lot of natural things for all of us went through in adolescence but because of technology it's creating a a real issue Um, and so that lack of sort of empathy which comes from that lack of facial expression and um, perspective taking plus that that feeling of needing to be in a group you can see why especially girls but boys get, get it as well feel that Increased socialization issues in adolescence, so mm. yeah, so that's that's something we just have to be aware of and understand and support our kids as much as possible. But that's why these things can be really difficult,
0: mm. yeah, yeah, because it's so seductive. You know, it, even yesterday, we know we talk about uh, you know people from the past, you know, philosophers, and has warning us about. Uh, you know, one day technology is going to become so seductive, more than, than the real life, you know, and I think that's the time we are living right now. Even I mentioned as well a friend of mine who uh, received the, the video when it was viral, the, the, the shooting in Christchurch, and he said, oh, I watched a few few seconds and forgot someone playing a video game. So how how crazy is that? You know when the, the the distortion of reality in 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 those things just becomes one one thing, huh? a massive thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the brain, if you repeat it enough, that myelination process I talked mm. about, the brain doesn't really decipher between real and fake. Mm-hmm. So if we watch enough things on um, screens, it's actually what we believe. And and one of the things that we do even by the age of one years old. But definitely sort of 18 months old, we have a really, really good classification in the brain um, between who is good, so who is my tribe, who is me, um, and they'll keep me alive. And anyone who's not in there is instantly them. So even a baby at one years old, you'll show them pictures of, um, you know, sort of ethnicities that they've never seen, and they'll be scared, which is a good thing in the brain because you know, we we you shouldn't be friends with people you don't understand about, and they could be, you know, Mm -hmm. bad. So that's the brain setting itself up for survival. Hopefully when we get older, if we meet someone who looks different, we wait and we assess and we talk to them and go, oh, actually they're okay. But what you can see is we can set up us and them what we can also do is actually make them them. We can say this person is bad. Can you see this is this feeling associated with someone who looks like this is bad? And it's not just ethnicities; it's how tall they are, what you know, how they speak, everything like that. And so, what we're getting on so on, on gaming, especially, is a repetition of who's good and who's bad. And even our little toddlers are sitting in rooms and they're watching other people in the family play these games. And if we're honest, if we play the same sort of games again and again, it's a very similar goodie and baddie. And what you can see is if you continue to, to play this, especially these days when you're the first person and you're sh- actually doing the shooting and stuff, then that can create a knowledge in our brain that these people are bad and also a knowledge in our brain that hurting people is okay. Mm. And, and I still remember I would have been 10 years old I think 10 or 11 my cousin and I were at my grandma's place and um, beautiful grandma she was the, one of the most amazing people I've ever been lucky enough to meet and we were watching a movie and someone was I remember it someone was running down an alleyway and there was a gunshot and this person fell over honestly that was, that was it and my cousin and I same ages we just went and my grandma went oh and and I I remember watching that and thinking, wow, she just got abs. There was no blood, no nothing. There's just a gunshot, and they fell over. And I thought at that time, I remember thinking, I thought, imagine putting a gun in my hand and putting a gun in my grandma's hand, and saying shoot that person. You have to shoot them, you know. And you think who's going to cave first? Mm. It's going to be me because I had less. Empathy for the person. My grandma couldn't even even imagine it. Not, I couldn't do it. But mm-hmm. do you know? And now look at us. Now look at us. So we're, we're shooting people, stabbing people, killing people day after day after day. And you wonder what that's doing to us. If we had that opportunity in the real life, would we possibly do it easier? You mm-hmm. know. And I'm not saying everyone would, but a lot of people, it would make a difference to their actions.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I love. Now you explain a lot why sometimes I scare people. It's because they, (laughs) because I'm from another place. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Now I'm not gonna take pigs more personally. (laughs) Of course, I'm (laughs) joking. So yeah. So how can how can we be more in control of our behavior?
1: As in using screens or our behavior
0: in general. So. yeah because this is going to affect as well the, mm. the our you know our habit, our addiction you know, to mm. to the screens huh?
1: i suppose and and okay and everyone's different isn't it and everyone's got different ways but really simplifying mm-hmm. simplifying simplifying <laughs> i simplify the brain into two levels the lower level is red brain and it's all our survival mechanisms and our emotional mechanisms and the green brain is our um Prefrontal cortex, so we override impulses and we're logical and rational, empathic. You know, beautiful, um, upstanding part of the brain. Uh, and and I talk about the continuum between the two. Mm-hmm. And when anything in our environment makes us feel under threat, the red brain starts to gain energy because it's the survival part. And it could be that you see a lion in the distance, right? And you start, going, oh, that's dangerous, and your red brain would activate the fight flight response, or. You might not find your keys to go out or the T-shirt that the adolescent wants for their non, <laughs> you know, uniform day or the two-year-old with their crayon, you know, like, so it's all the same thing. Our brain goes, oh, there's a threat, more energy needed to stay alive. And so the more energy that red brain requires, the more that goes away from here.
0: hmm
1: So the more worried we are, the more emails in our inbox, the more, you know, whatever we've got going on or stuff. And and, and we talk about all of those variables that can be in our world. And so the more activated you read, the less this. And up in the really top part of the green brain is our break system, is our inhibition system. Mm. And so sometimes we know something's not right but we'll do it anyway. And that's often because this is activating. So if we want to override things, if we want to make really good decisions based on lots of things that we understand, you know, like all of that, that we have to have as much of our green brain available as possible. So it's about looking after ourselves and keeping our bodies and brain in a calm space. And, and one of the most powerful things we can do, which is what you work with, obviously, is the is the breath. Mm -hmm. and and our whole systems you know um, all linked up together and I talk about the tug of war um, to calm and so if we get one of our organs to start calming down we can start calming down and and we can't get our brain to calm down because the part of our brain that calms down is the green brain and it's not there right now like (laughs) if you're like I can't find my keys I can't find and and I say calm down (laughs) not gonna work um do you see so and you can't calm your kidney Mm -hmm. or your liver or your heart there is one organ that we have control over and that organ is our lungs but if we start to calm our lungs down it's like the team of the tug of war everyone goes with you if one person starts pulling Mm. everybody's going i love that that's super cool so if we can just take a breath and it's like anything you cannot calm down from a really high level unless you practice to higher and higher levels so that's what mindfulness and meditation and stuff doing yoga just going for nice long walks um swimming is really good for our breathing as well Mm -hmm. kapahaka we do beautiful big breaths in our kapahaka um, you know times anything that's really going to activate beautiful big breaths in our lungs because it's practicing that and when you do that you pull your whole body down into a state of calm, which is effectively pulling that red brain down and allowing green brain to be back. So, if we really want to be as, you know, empathic as logical, um, you know, have great ideas and be healthy, we keep our body in a state of calm. Mm. Yeah,
0: I love this this green and red. Yeah, I love that. That's super cool. It's so easy to, to visualize and you know, to to understand. I love that. What's your favorite technique to act, to activate the green, the green brain?
1: yeah, and 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 breathing is is the first step. Um I just prefer to breathe and I count how long it takes me to breathe in, and whatever that number is, I double it on the way out. Mm. And so breathing in and out. Um, another lady shared with me square breathing, so breathing in holding, breathing out, holding. and um, but also, Conditioning, and we talked yesterday about Pavlov's dog, and how yeah. Pavlov rang his dog and um, feed uh, rang the, 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 the bell and feed the dog. Ring the dog, ring the bell and feed the dog. What we can do is if we do have an issue with staying calm is when you've done your mindfulness, when you've done your yoga, your body is activated into this beautiful state of calm, which is good. But if you've got a meeting in five minutes, <laughs> you can't go do a you know, 20 minute yoga um, thing. So when we feel our body in that state, we can do something that we can use to activate the calm. So you could click your fingers, you could touch your head, you could close your eyes and think of the swing. It, whatever you want, whatever you can use. Um, you know, athletes use it. You look at the little things that athletes use before they serve the ball or whatever. So there's a little ritualistic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like, and I just think it looks cool because I cross my legs and breathe deep. And I can do that when I'm driving anywhere in the country or whatever. And I hold my fingers like this just because that's what all the movies show you isn't it Uh and i go like that and then when i feel really calm i i concentrate on how my body feels and then i look down at my fingers and even now when i look at my fingers now i can feel my body starting to change slightly and so if you do something and it could be just touching your earlobe or putting your fingers together whatever you feel like you want to do if you when you do your mindfulness when you do your Nice walk or you run or you cook your nice dinner mm-hmm. or you clean the house and you look around and go wow that looks great and I feel good. Do something that then when you're in a meeting or got an email or you've got to answer or do whatever you can use that little conditioned response to calm yourself down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: So if you're listening or watching us, take a deep breath right now. Take one. <laughs> take one big deep breath. One thing I really like, it works very well for me. It's the um, when I get those those two first fingers and I put around my pulse and I try to to feel the pulse. Yeah, that's that's helps a lot to to calm and mm-hmm. just it just is something to connect with the the present moment you know because normally when we stress, it's, we just you know overthinking and kind of we, we are kind of sleeping you know? so the way one of one of the ways you know I, I like to use it to wake me up and you know, it's to reconnect because when you start to feeling your the the beat of your heart, you know, it's a really good sensation. So I recommended this this one as well.
1: Cool, and you could you could try and slow it down or speed it, you know, like slow it down, and you could feel that, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. And it's whatever works for anybody, yeah, it's, what, it's Yeah, Whatever works, true. yeah. We shouldn't take somebody else's and think it's going to work for us. We can try it, but if it yeah. doesn't work, try something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Catherine, I love what you said as well because I was shocked at, uh, when I when I I saw the correlation with the Pavlov experiment, you know, and you, even you see on the device for example facebook every time you get a notification you have that little bell ring mm-hmm. that and that was on purpose they they didn't you know they use that principle to condition such a such a, a basic principle so you ring the bell you give a treat to the dog and that's the way you train animals and that's what they're doing first one and they are doing very well by the way yeah
1: Okay. And, and do you really want to be a puppet? Do yeah. you really yeah. want to be controlled by them? And it's and it, it's amazing to see, like I was sitting with a group of adults um, recently, and then there was a ping, and we were talking, and there was a ping, and they were like, oh, who's, who's, whose was that? I'm like, we're talking, you know, can we, and, and they had to get up and have a look because somebody, because it's like, oh, it might be mine. Oh, Who cares right now? And, and when, when we're in conversations, if I'm in conversations with my friends and they pick up their phone, I'll just stop talking. Mm. And then they'll look at me and go, What? And I went, Because, and, and I was saying, you say, Well, I want, I want to get little stickers made from the, for, for, to give out to everybody to put on the back of devices. And the stickers will say, Whatever's on this device is more important than you. And if you put that on yeah. whoever's device and they pick it up and you go, oh, what's that say? <laughs> and they go, oh. Because you that. are sending a message to, it, it, oh, it could be work, it could be this, yeah, which is more important than me. Hmm. And, and, and we're not sitting in the space. We're not listening to each other. We're not learning about each other. We're constantly waiting for that ping. So leave it, turn it off be present with the people you're with be present with your children be present with your friends it's it's it it drives me crazy even wherever you are and people are constantly just picking up their phone or they have now the backs of the phones flash so you can't even turn them over and not watch it then there's a flash and they're doing that on purpose oh oh, flash I better turn it over it's like yeah it just it, it Dinner tables, I can't even believe that people have to have a conversation about taking things away at dinner tables. This is the most beautiful time to connect with our yeah. you know, whanau and have whanau time, and, and we've got devices at the table. No, no, not necessary. Nobody's that, like you were saying, nobody's that important. That important, you know? yeah. It's, I mean, there might be some certain one times in your life that maybe something's gone and you might need to keep, be kept in contact with, but honestly... Mm. half an hour an hour at the dinner table put it down yeah because we 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 are it's just training us and we're just like these little puppets doing whatever they tell us to oh look they're telling us to do that let's do it take control take Mm. take the control back
0: yeah yeah and so much noise as well no because on the the internet everyone is screaming for attention it's 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 a noisy place and that's of course going to interfere on the mind no mind. I, I always say to, to to my students, you know, the, the body benefits from from movement, but the mind benefits from stillness. And the internet is not gonna give you any stillness. There's no way. You know, you go there, you gonna. It's too much noise. It's very loud noise. You know. I always like to think as well about, um, you know, the things I watch and the things you know I I, I read. As uh, I treat those things as as the way, the same way I treat my diet, <laughs> you know, so the things I put on my brain, you know, so I always, I'm, I'm trying to be as, as conscious as possible and, but please, I'm far away from, <laughs> you know, from being that, that fit with the mind, you know, because it's, it's super hard and you know, super, super hard and, and we always have something, ah, you know, I'm doing this for the podcast or I'm doing this mm-hmm. for the business or I'm doing this for, you know, but it's, it's yeah it's super hard to have the focus no, no I'm doing that for work you know, okay, now okay now'm I'm already I'm, I'm already zoned out you know I'm already doing something just for peer entertainment. <laughs> it's a hard one so for the parents what, what's what's your device for, devi, uh, device for the parents
1: It's first of all to recognize mm. that these things are developed to addict. um like I said, uh, they shouldn't have been introduced. They should never have been brought into the world I like that. I love they what
0: are. you said about that, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, um, so, so it's not you've done something wrong. It's not that you, you should have known better. Mm-hmm. Um, what we have to do is tr- teach our children the goodness, the fun, the benefits of things that are not on the screen. So, one of the th- challenges there. As parents actually have to be sometimes a bit more involved. And I don't mean thinking up everything for them, but maybe go for a walk with your kids. Um, board games. We played board games. I didn't have a TV in our house. Um, for, well, we've got it two years ago, I think, in our house. And, and I still mm. remember someone coming in and going, you've got a TV? I was like, yeah, just there were circumstances, which meant I got a TV, but hardly ever watch it. Um, we never had a TV. And so I would think, well, we haven't got a TV and the kids would be bored. Um, so I need to play a board game with them, I need to um, do something with them, and we used to play charades, we used to play board games, and once you started playing, it was like, oh gosh, maybe I could do something else, and it's like so much fun, the kids went to school, and they were teaching their teachers um, charades at one stage, because they're playing charades, and they go, oh and you can do this, and you can do that, and, and just this lack of, like you say, that noise, we need to just teach kids how cool it is to use their imagination to be calm to read a book you know um, it just if we can teach them the good of that and and get them to feel that go how good was that how nice was that oh yeah it was actually excellent so next time maybe put the device down and try and get them to intrinsically understand the pleasure that they get when we're not on there. Because like you say, as soon as you're on the screen, ping, 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 it's it's immediately getting you, immediately feedback. We don't get that from real life. But the long time that we spend out there with people, we will get just as much reward in the end. It just won't be as tick, tick, tick like this. Mm-hmm. So we need to support. We need to feed back to them the good stuff, put a little bit of um, effort in ourselves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's... it. We we have to help our kids understand because we can't blame them for wanting to be on devices. So don't expect your kids to put them down. Mm-hmm. We have to support and teach them too. I think that's what we need to know, and it's not it's not easy. It's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. You know. Yeah, yeah
0: and the social skills as well because the phone. You no, know, the phone came to. To occupy this this void, because we, as a social creatures, we don't know what to do with our hands, you know. What <laughs> before it was the cigarette and the drink on the hands, now that the phone comes to replace those things, you know? So I think learn social skills is such a powerful thing to replace a little bit that, you know, because lots of people who have social anxiety, they use the phone just to amplify that even more, you know, because I walk in the room, I don't know everybody, I get my phone and I just pretend I'm doing the most important thing in the <laughs> world. <laughs> I'm super important. I'm doing the text right now. It's super important. It's it's nothing. It's just you're trying to avoid the, the real conversation with other people, right?
1: Absolutely. And do you know how much fun it is? And I, I love doing this. i I've fly a lot and so I love sitting at the airport when you're, you're hopping on the plane you just sit there and you sit and you have no device and you look around and you look at all the people arriving you look at all the people leaving and when people see you looking they're like yeah. <laughs> they're looking at me. and they can get quite like and, and what you see and, and I get my kids to do it and we go what do you think about that person or look at that person or Look at that person over there, they're sad. Look at that person, they're happy. And we start to realize that real things happen in this world. But just people freak out when yeah. you're sitting there looking around because you're not supposed to look at anyone anymore. You're right, you've just got to be on here. So it's a really cool thing to do. And you're not looking at people, but I just look around just normally. Mm. And then I sort of think, where is my mind wandering to? And then I realize that there's lots of different people around and, and this is where people think and people are arguing and people are crying, people are this. And it's just amazing how that can, even for our kids, start making them realize that this world is real. Mm. Because on, on social media, we only ever see the best thing ever yeah. or the worst thing ever. We don't see the boring middle stuff. We don't see people living their lives. And, you know, so if you just sit there and observe – in a cafe, sit there and observe and sometimes look around yourself. People don't like it anymore. It used to be normal. But, yeah, just because there is that, all that noise and all that stop. You know, I can have a – where I live, I'm really lucky. I've got, you know, Keriru and Tui and, and, and this beautiful view. And in the morning, i just take my cup of tea, leave the phone inside mm. and just sit. And when I first started doing that, you know, made myself do it, I was like – Oh, or maybe you know, like but I'd need to look up such and I'm like, why? My my children are in bed here. There's no nobody needs to get a hold of me right now. Yeah. And you sit and it's amazing the places your mind starts going or doesn't. And that's allowing us this this moment and, and we just don't do that. You mm-hmm. know, the noise is just so overwhelming.
0: And it's still a responsibility, though, no? because I don't think it's that hard for us to identify what's what's What's, good, what's a good thing for me, you know, what's a bad thing? I would say that I destroy, you know, I was saying to you uh, yesterday, you know, I, I like to go to those retreats of meditation, I destroy I, I have the capacity to destroy 10 days of more than 10 hours of hard work and meditating fasting in 10 minutes on social media <laughs> <laughs> It's the proportion it's it's almost that you know how and and we know that you know it's kind of when we eat something we know it's it's not the right thing you know, you're going to feel bad about it you know, so mm. we need to take a responsibility because the problem of addiction we're gonna try to justify every with all our, our core, all our being to make sure we keep our addiction protected, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely, human nature. Yeah,
0: yeah, and we and, and, you know we need to take a little bit of responsibility for that because we are all addictive, and this is it, it's something we are facing right now. You know, it's another challenge for us as a species. Huh? Do, yeah. you, do you see social media as a tool?
1: Yeah, it is absolutely. We can let people know things. I love the fact that I can know what's going on with my friends overseas Mm. and friends in all countries over the world. You know, great friends in the UK, the United States, Egypt, um, all over Europe, Spain, and I can see what they're up to. And I go, oh, you know, I was just talking to my friend in the UK this morning. I'm like, I see you're on holiday, and how cool is it that you went to such and such a place? So, it was great. But I called her. And I talked to her. I didn't like her post. I didn't, you know, uh, but yeah, yeah. but it is nice. It, it's nice to know things. There, there's some really good things. And I can keep in touch with my Fano who are overseas. And I can see what's going on for them. They don't have to text me every day, this is what I'm doing. They let people know. And if there's anything really big in my world... I'll let people know. I post very little, but I am on Facebook. I do like that because there are things about the kids or if we've been on a trip we might let people know. So there's some really good stuff. It's just that we need to know that what we're seeing on Facebook is the cream. Is the is my decision to show you this stuff. And I think I said yesterday mm. I had a friend who you know she posted one time she goes oh I'm out with my husband for my anniversary and lucky me like this and so what you do as a person you go oh look at that beautiful couple if only I was that lucky or she's so lucky and then while like it was 10 minutes later and we were talking we're organizing something else and we had a group chat with a bunch of girls and she starts posting on this group chat and she's out post and one of my other girlfriends said she said "Uh, aren't you out at dinner with your husband, she goes, "Oh yeah, we are, but we're not talking." <laughs> Do like, you see? So, so, so socially, yeah. <laughs> she's got this. Oh, look at me! But actually, she's not even. I, I wouldn't be out with my partner and texting and stuff like that. I'd be there, and you wouldn't know. No, I've never ever posted. You know, like I'm out at the moment with my partner for dinner. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've got to be careful that what we're seeing. Is the, is the cherry. And that's fine because that's what I want to see of my whanau and that's what I want to see of my friends overseas. I want to see when they're doing cool things. Mm-hmm. But I know that they're actually real human beings as well. And when I talk to them and connect with them, they go, I'm having a bad day. This is happening for me. This is not so good. I'm struggling with my kids, you know. Mm. But if we only rely on social media, we, we just have this ridiculous idea of the world and then we think there's something wrong with us because... We're not in this beautiful space. So there is really good stuff, but we have to keep the green brain on board and say, actually, that's this world. It's not the real world. Mm. That's what we've got to do, and we've got to connect with friends and talk with friends and be honest with friends and keep that reality Mm check-in.
0: So, Catherine, from a neuroscientist perspective, do you think social media makes us a little bit oversensitive? To? To... To everything, <laughs> if, if, for example, if I said, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I i do not like the the color of your your shirt, that's gonna destroy, you know, if, especially if it's online comment as well. No, it's gonna destroy your life for, for, for right? Yeah, what we've got thinking?
1: this huge need to be accepted, aren't we, and to be liked. And so, this is already yeah. natural. No, it's natural. Yeah. It's natural, but it's just been increased and and accentuated online so mm-hmm. yeah and i mean yeah and that's another of the coddling of the um the american mind that jonathan Haidt talks about and he talks about the fact that even at universities and this is where he first started his understanding even at universities where universities are supposed to be where we can talk about anything okay so you've got certain places that you maybe shouldn't push different things into. If you're in a specific church, you don't want to start bringing in all these other things in. But universities should be everywhere we can talk. And they started banning talks. They started banning talks from subjects they didn't like. And he said, what is this about? What is this about? And then when he started looking and he started looking at lecturing and teaching now, even in really abstract, open-minded subjects, the lecturer can only teach to the lowest You know, like to the to the where they'll be less likely to offend, because it could be a thousand people in that theatre, and one of the students takes offence to what they say, and they go and report it, and their, you know, they have to be taken into account, and so Mm -hmm. all of a sudden that lecturer gets in trouble, so they have to raise all of their stuff, and so we have to sit in this little bland space where we're not going to offend anyone or say anything. Well, if you don't like the color of my shirt. I don't care. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I should wear it because I like it. Mm-hmm. And, and okay, I should go and have a quick look in the mirror and say, hmm, have you got a point? No, actually you don't. I'm fine with it. you know, mm-hmm. like, we should be able to say things and we should be able to do things and talk. And and there are very few spaces now. I mean, I've got some really good friends and we can say whatever we want. We can chat about things, but... I mean, just the other day I was with a bunch of friends and they were talking about who votes for who. And someone said I was voting for this you know, group and and this other person absolutely lost the plot. Mm. <laughs> you're allowed to have different views. Yeah, yeah. So you're right, but we're, we're, because we're being fed all the stuff that we agree with, we start not being able to get used to someone disagreeing with me. It doesn't make me a bad person if you dis- disagree mm-hmm. with me. It's my thoughts. It's my opinions. I should always reflect on it always reflect on it if someone says I don't agree with you I don't think but then you go okay no you got a point I might change or no actually I'm going to stay with what I think so yeah absolutely we're getting we're not sensitized because of social media we're sensitized because we're being fed all this positive everyone says I like that I like that very seldom do people go you know good point but yeah so I don't I just we definitely need to to chill out a little bit and, and take criticism and and see it for what it is it's a suggestion
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. That's super cool. Do you think uh, um, because of social media as well, the words kind of depression and anxiety, it's kind of being a little bit overused and then it's too much glamour now around them in a, in, you know, in a bad way?
1: Yeah, we. we it, it's aligned with what you were just saying. We, can, we mm. can't accept. We we want our whole lives to sit in this happy space, like in this perfect space, because everybody else has got a perfect life. So why shouldn't I have a perfect life? And so everybody else is happy, and everybody else is you know excelling at this, and every other kid's person's kid's got a certificate for this, you know, because we post it all. I mean, everybody's kid gets certificates, <laughs> um, but and it's great that people are proud of it. But when you post all this stuff, it's like, oh, mine didn't or mine did. Not mind it. And so it's, it's this feeding of all this perfection, and we go. Oh, I'm sad. Oh, nobody else is sad. There must be something wrong with me. And if we truly have this conversation, like when I was a mum of a baby, and I was like, I can't do this, and I kept going and going and thinking there's something wrong with me because I can't. I, I, I'm tired, and I'm I'm crying all the time, and all of this sort of stuff. Until I finally said to one of my friends, I. I I, I think I'm doing this all wrong. I think there's something wrong with me. And she goes, oh, I feel exactly the same way. And so all of a sudden, me feeling sad, tired, but useless, I still felt that way because she felt that way too. Mm. I was okay. But if I'd kept relying on social media where everyone looks perfect with their perfect babies, I would worry about being sad. But all of us, I was like, oh. It's normal to feel this way. And what we've got to do is share the normality of anxiety, the normality of being sad, the normality of being frustrated because we all get it. But a lot of parents will hide that from their kids and then nobody else will show it to them. And they get a bit sad. They go, oh, don't be sad. Actually off you actually have to go, go away and be sad. <laughs> but and it is, we're, we're becoming less able to accept that sadness is a state, anxiety is a state, and it's totally fine. Unless it's over anxious and then it might be considered an issue. Over sad and then we might call it depression. But honestly, it's it's normal for all these emotions and we need to let kids know it and we we've got to sit okay in that space.
0: And don't try to fix it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got you gotta learn, you gotta practice these feelings and return from them, otherwise you don't learn. And, and, and I get it that we don't want our kids to be sad or angry or teased or left behind or fail, but it's called life. And if as a parent, you can honestly say you've never, ever felt sad and you've never, ever felt frustrated and you've never, ever felt failure, then that's fine. Protect your kids from it for the rest of their life. But the only reason we can deal with it is because we practiced it. We practiced it all the time and we've got to let our kids practice it. They've got to fail. They've got to feel sad. They've got to feel anxious as part of life.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And this is what, where resilience comes from, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Resilience is a lot of people think, oh that person's resilient, they're so, you know, they never cry. No, actually mm-hmm. resilience is the ability to feel that feeling because feeling those feelings, I mean, feeling sad is not nice, but there's a there's a healing process in feeling sad. Sitting within that sadness and truly feeling sad about what you're feeling sad about Mm -hmm. the anxiety is saying there's something going on so sitting with the anxiety and going i'm anxious i really am anxious or i'm frustrated so resilience gives us the ability to sit in that space which is in itself productive might not be nice but it's productive and then when we've been there for long enough whatever that is could be a day or two could be five minutes whatever once we've been there we then go okay it's time to breathe do our condition response whatever go for a walk go back to the gym go you know see some friends whatever and get ourselves back down again okay ready back down and that's resilience resilience is about being able to sit in that feeling and truly if you can sit in that feeling there's healing if we avoid feeling sad if we avoid our anxieties and frustrations and anger it's it's not a healthy space to be it's okay mm-hmm. to be in those spaces but if you're not resilient it'll get too overwhelming too quickly. So being able to stay there is really important mm-hmm. and really healthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love one of your videos. You talk about the, I think it's going to link with that very well, the sandpaper and the aloe vera. Can <laughs> yeah. you explain this this to the, this your idea?
1: So I call anything, remember we said that if there's something in the environment that worries us, it's a, it stresses us and activates our red brain. I call that a sandpaper. And then the um, healing of that is the aloe vera. Mm -hmm. And so what we've got is, is every time a sandpaper happens, you essentially activate the red brain more and more and more. And that's why you can get on the way to work and there's traffic and then the car wasn't starting properly and then you get to work and there's no milk and there's an email and then somebody gives you an assignment or whatever. And there's these little sandpapers and they build up and they build up and they build up. And then you get home mm. <laughs> and you're like, it's fine once I get home. And then someone says, what's for dinner? <laughs> you're like, <"What?" laughs> So that's because you've been sandpapered, sandpapered. If I touch my hand now, it wouldn't hurt. But if I'd sandpapered it, that same touch would hurt. If I get home after a perfect day and someone says, what's for dinner? I could quite happily say, I mm, think you've been home today. Up to you. You sort yourself out. So I'm not like I'm cooking dinner, but do you see? Uh But what we know is that if we identify sandpapers, we say, actually, that annoyed me. That upset me. That made me sad. If we can do that and then we can aloe vera, which is the breathing, which is the calming ourselves down, each time we keep ourselves Instead of going down and down and down, and then we get to that rumination, that catastrophizing, and then we feel bad in our bodies, our stomachs are, are feeling sore, our shoulders are tense you know, with all of these things. And if we stay in that space, we can put on weight or lose weight without any other change in, you know, diet or exercise, or we can get heart palpitations, or we can get skin infections, or mouth. Um, sores and those sorts of things actually come from staying in a sandpapered state. So we go actually I am feeling a bit stressed. I do need to do something about that. And if we can do that in aloe vera each time we have a sandpaper, if you know, as much as possible, then we keep ourselves in this beautiful space, which means we can be responsive to people around us. Remember to pick up whatever on the way home instead of completely <laughs> forgetting, you know, and the world's not perfect, but as much as we can look after ourselves. Yeah. So that's the sandpaper um, aloe vera analogy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And um, yeah, because do you remember the, when was the last time you have to use the aloe vera? All the time. All the time. All
1: the time. All the time. Um, and, and it's just that breathing, it's that checking in with yourself. But aloe vera can be as simple as taking a breath mm. if the is a little bit. But I mean, lately with a lot of stuff that's been going on, I've been in quite a large sandpaper brain. And so I make sure... That I do so. I mean, at the moment, I've got a jigsaw at home because I love jigsaws. Because jigsaws allow me to just get into this beautiful space where I'm in control of everything and I'm there. And then when I get to a space, then I can start thinking about what I need to think about, or doing some more walks. Or um, when when I'm away and I'm doing things, finding a space by the water that I can drive to and have a look. So really actively trying to find times when you can allow that space the more you think you're getting activated the more effort you have to put into staying calm so Mm -hmm. all the time but it can be the smallest thing is doing a breath i mean i was a little bit late here today and i was getting and i did some breathing i was like hey bring us back it's not a problem you know that sort of thing so you know all of those sorts of things so you can use it but but we really have to respect ourselves and it's about Going for a walk on a beach, and and if you can, you know, a a little holiday away or something different, or even just pretending you've gone on a holiday, you know, like you know, just something that (laughs) that, makes you happy. You know, Mm. it's just we. Oh no, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Actually, are you?
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah another another buzzword as well, know. I think it's, uh, if you don't say I'm busy, you f- start to feel bad. Man, <laughs> something's wrong with me. you know. I'm not busy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. How many times a person at the supermarket and they go, so have you had a busy day? And I go, mm, actually, no, I've done hardly anything today. Uh, and you see them look up at yeah. you <laughs> and they're like, well, that's not the answer you're supposed to say. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because you're exactly right. You, oh, no, don't say that. It's like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Hardly anything today. <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're not allowed to say that. Yeah, but yeah, it's quite funny. You should try. it.
0: That's good. Uh, so, Catherine, what's your opinion? For uh, I, I don't have kids, you no, know, but I always had this in my mind. You know, if I had a kid, you know, even it's good for me to not have because otherwise I'm gonna try to impose all those things on my kids. But you know, the, <laughs> those things of what what um, what's the workout for your brain? I read that. Please correct if I'm wrong. Okay, a long time ago. I don't know if if it has any science behind, it, but. Things the 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 work out for your brain. Also, they said um, learn another language, uh, trying to play an instrument, uh, meditation. It's, it's actually meditation comes in as number one. Think meditation, learn another language, playing an instrument, and talk to other people. Yeah, yeah, because you know that it, it's a massive thing to, you Not know, to talk to other people, you know, because you have to be present, you have to pay attention. Yeah, in all those things, is that correct? Well,
1: they're talking to other people. If you scan the brain and watch all the different lighting up areas, the time when the brain lights up the most areas and the most amazingly is in relationships. So when you're mm, with someone who you, you know you're interested that's in, yeah. So there's massive parts because that's what keeps us alive mm. is being with other people. You cannot survive on your own. So the brain is made to get massive pleasurable feedback from being with other people. So, and and I, I sometimes think, especially when I was um, in London last, and there's a lot of the homeless people we see it here as well. And what are they all doing? talking they're talking Mm. they're talking to themselves they're talking 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 because that's what they need they need to hear language you know (laughs) and 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 no one else will talk to them so they talk to themselves you know and you see how important communication is you know it's very sad isn't it that they're having to talk to themselves but um yeah absolutely that is and meditation is that beautiful control of the body so i would say that's used that's needed all your life Mm -hmm. um we need with our kids we need to be ensuring that they are building their brain for what they need as an adult. And one of the things we need as an adult, if you think about it, is time management and ability to plan and ability to um, do cause and um, you know, consequence and action, and all of those sorts of things. And so a lot of that is about letting our kids make their own mistakes and and, and learning their own way. And and one of the things I uh, sometimes do with audiences when we're thinking about what do we do for our adolescents, because when we get our adolescents, they're in a state where they're significantly more likely to make decisions with their red brains, with their absolutely impulsive part of their brain. They don't access the green brain very well under pressure, um, Mm -hmm. our adolescents. So we have to train the red brain. And so when we've got our little two-year-old who's climbing on a chair, we will sometimes say, oh, sweetheart, stop climbing, you're going to fall, and they keep climbing. And two options. First option is to go over and pick them up and put them on the ground. And we go, that was dangerous. You'll hurt yourself. Now, there is learning in the brain up in the green brain. Aha. If I do that, I'll hurt myself, right? So it will happen. Or, (laughs) sweetheart, you're going to fall off there. Uh And they keep climbing and you... <laughs> Divert eyes, bang, they hit and they fall and they hurt themselves. Nothing major, they're not really going to do any major damage. And that procedural part, the lower part, the cause and effect part of their brain learns, do dumb shit. It hurts, right? And so it's a it's an instant body learning. And they're running with their eyes closed. Open your eyes, you know, we can either grab them or let them go. Bang. Do-dump, it hurts, Mm, So, (laughs) So it's this bottom part of the brain that learns, but instead we keep picking them up and stopping them and and telling this part of the brain. And so when they become an adolescent, and this is definitely not a guarantee, but you can see if they're about to do something stupid or they're about to make a bad decision, they can't go into their green brain and go, oh, I remember mum told me. That it's very silly to do dangerous things right they just need to go oh i think this might be a bad idea because they know Mm. it you know and so we really and that's another thing that that devices take away from our kids is is doing stuff jumping and building and hammering your finger and all of those sorts of things so yeah we we need to let things happen and 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 the body needs to experience stuff for when it gets older but but doing your um, learning a musical instrument, learning a language, I certainly learnt that about people who are around about 50 mm. because at that stage there is starting to be a natural um, lack of communication between the parts of the brain, so that starts to sort of break down. So if you're doing music, you're using both, uh, both halves of the brain or learning language, but you can't give someone a language lesson for their 50th if, if they speak lots of languages. That's not going to tax the brain right mm. you give them a musical um instrument training or you know so you should learn something around about 50s. you should take up something that you've never really done before even if you do it badly it's it's good for you because it's training the brain to create new you know get those connections back and keep them active nuns they found that they had significantly better brain um longevity Mm. and and that wasn't from the alcohol they they looked at that um it was from doing crosswords and jigsaws Mm. and when you think about that and so now sudoku sort of go into that but it's using different parts of your brain and keeping on going so that's what we should be doing for longevity of the brain yeah
0: that's awesome. Yeah. I heard Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is very powerful too. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Include that on the list. Eh? Well, it's using
1: all different parts of the brain, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so take it out when you're 50 if you've never done it. But yeah. keeping on doing it is amazing as well. Yeah. 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 So, Catherine,
0: on, on all your studies, did you, of course, apart you already told us so many, so many things, but there, there anything was shocking? You you kind of you read about it and said, holy, is 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 that what this this whole technology is doing with the, our kids' brains and behaviors and all of that?
1: I think it's that overarching thing that if we if we watch something enough on a screen, we'll actually we'll actually believe it, hmm. and 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 it's truly that who is good and who is bad because I think that's a huge thing in our society now, and it's a huge message we're being given and if you keep getting fed the same stuff which you do on social media if you have a belief you'll keep getting fed it and that's that's what's going to be the breakdown of human society is if we can't accept people who are different to ourselves and and if we train the brain to really think people who are different are bad that that really worries me really worries me and we you know, it's, it's, it's a similar but not as worrying but the police car chases, we're getting a lot more police car chases um, now and if you think about if you practiced on a game again and again and again accelerating when you hear a siren, you'll start getting so used to that that when you hear a siren in re- real life, you'll accelerate and I was um, talking to some police people recently and they said the crazy thing is there's an increase in mums doing car chases because they've been playing games Trying to bond with their kids and playing games with their kids. And they said, not as, it's not as as um, impacting because they've already got quite a good green brain. So they'll accelerate and then they will often stop. But they'll do a bit of um, outrunning now because they've wow. played these games so often to bond with their kids. And they've had a couple of those situations. I was talking to something there and they said, that's, um, the mums will say, yeah, we've been playing games. <laughs> that's and insane. they're lying that, isn't that crazy? Mm. So, what it scares me is is the amount that people are playing and the messages that are being sent and and it's okay to hurt people, it's okay to hate people, it's okay to be sarcastic and put people down all the time and mm-hmm. it's just that it's just that, like you said, that just the light learning but then it becomes so heavy we can't break it and mm-hmm. and that's what worries me because we're not respecting how important that is in the brain that's that's what worries me about social about, um device use yeah mm, wow. location of society really is yeah
0: that's so powerful that's very interesting
1: more friends but less acquaint you know like we think mm. oh, I've got all these friends but actually have you
0: mm, mm. that's so awesome so Catherine now it's the time for embrace <laughs> the chaos <laughs> <laughs> So first if there are any questions I should ask you during this episode and I didn't
1: I think we did pretty well I think I think yeah. um yesterday when we were summing it up we I said about how we can help parents if their kids are addicted and and uh-huh. it's really simplistic it's too simplistic for how big it is but I like people to just imagine what they would do if their children were addicted to alcohol and it's harder because you can just get rid of all the alcohol, right? You can't get rid of devices. So imagine your child's addicted to alcohol. How would you help them get off it? And alcoholics can't get off it because you tell them to stop drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. So if, if the one question would be like, what can we do to help? And we've said a lot of it, but yeah, it's, it's it like an addiction, a true addiction. Don't expect them to, they'll lie, they'll cheat. They'll tell you stories. Mm. They'll do anything, like you said, to keep that addiction up and to justify it. Um, know that's an addiction and help them um, along that that pathway. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: So, Catherine, what's the, the three most influential books you ever read?
1: Our favorite workish book is The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog and mm. Other Stories. Dr. Bruce Perry wrote that. Um, and each chapter is about unfortunately a child who's been abused but you by the end of the book you learn so much about how if there has been you know chaos um we can create sort of change so that's pretty cool the boys who raises a dog um at the moment i'm reading chasing the Scream, which is about the war on drugs which is fascinating to understand and fascinating um to see how such a, a, a influential a theory came from just someone really want to increase his importance in the um, police force, you know. Mm-hmm. So crazy, that's pretty cool and novel. Wise, um, a little life. It's by a Japanese author who I can't pronounce the name, but um, a little life, and it's it was the last book that I've read that you can't put down. You know, you want to go and read it, and yeah, uh-huh. and it's times when you're like looking around and you think. Oh, where's such and such? And then you realise they're not actually your friends. They're not actually you're not actually living in that world, but you just get into this book so much. It's quite a big book. Then again, my daughter read it and she really didn't like it at all, but I loved Uh. it. So, you know, so but it's about a journey of a gentleman who was harming himself. And um, his, his life in that space and all his friends in that space, so how they tried to support him and how he felt about it. So it is a novel. It's obviously a little bit more of a heavy novel, but I, I absolutely loved it. So A Little Life, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, three, probably I'd pull out. Yeah,
0: That's awesome. Katherine, what's life is about it? <laughs> what's the meaning of life?
1: P- connections
0: connections huh? I mean yeah.
1: first as a neuroscientist that's what lights up the brain so we know from yeah, that, that yeah. it's important but if you if you have ever been with someone who is towards the end of life or and and you talk to them they don't go gosh I'm glad I've got a really big fancy house I'm mm. really glad I you know they say that this is what's important and and what do you want towards the end of life it would be people and connections and mm-hmm. so that's that's it and you know, just the other day, I hadn't seen someone for ages. The kids and I haven't met up them, and, and so I rung. I just, right, it was just I was driving along, rang. I've got hands free, so it's okay. Uh-huh. Just rang, hello, Gazra. And I was like, I haven't seen it. six years. Wow, and I thought, stop thinking about it, stop thinking about connecting with them, let them know. So we'll go over in a couple of weekends catch up with the, the couple. And, and, and you know, like connections, be with people, be by yourself at times, but be with people and connections. That's That's what we get to take. We don't get to take anything else and it makes us feel good and it makes us do good things and yeah it, it, stop chasing things that really aren't we keep being told that they're important but truly does it make you happy and and it's it's people hey.
0: mm, that's awesome i love that yeah my, my grandmother used to say to me you know said uh, doesn't matter how big is your you you know your, your, your check you know that's it's about how big it's your um book number I oh, okay. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 she yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah. before, not before the status of having money. It's, how big is your check, you know how many checks do you? Right, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I love, I love that. Um, so, how about this? If you could go back in time and have a sixty minutes with your fifteen-year-old self, which advice would you give to yourself?
1: Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to change too much. <laughs> yeah, there's. Life would be a lot easier if I'd done some different things early on. Um, But I still wouldn't want to change any of it. I wouldn't change any of the mistakes I'd made um, Mm. because they've got me to where I am, which I'm really happy. But I think, and what I try and do with my kids now, is make them more present and more reflective on what happens to them because I travelled a lot. I worked overseas and I lived overseas and met lots of people. And I love it, but I didn't see it for how amazing it was I think I could have got a lot more out of each of the the moments if I'd been reflective and present and i sort of never really learned to be refre- reflective and present when I was a kid and I try and get my kids to be like that so I think if I went back I'd say like do we, do everything the same mostly um but just just be present and think about it yeah, yeah I think that would have been quite cool but I'm um, I'm um, I've had a pretty crazy full life and yeah, I don't think I'd obviously there's things I'd want to be different, Mm -hmm. but nothing that I could specifically control. Would I be able to, would I want to change? Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. And what's your five years goal? So we can watch this back in five years and okay, did you achieve your goal?
1: (laughs) Five years, five years, maybe a little bit beyond five years, but five years, my ultimate goal for a very long time. Mm. Um, is to keep on doing what I'm doing. I love um, sharing this information, but ultimately I would like to be part of um, reforming, looking at the um, family court system Mm. Um, because I just, I myself have been through it and a lot of friends have been through it and I find the current system doesn't, go well for children um it doesn't go well for adults but that's not really my worry my worry is the children caught up in, and i've worked with enough children and supported enough spaces through there that it's very 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 hard to be present and attuned to your children during that space and they're the ones that are getting lost in uh in this process and and we need more people who actually understand our children to be involved um yeah, so I'd like to I'd like to be advising and looking and supporting that change. Um because currently it's it's based on a system that's more yeah, it, it's not child friendly, it's not understanding our children. So yeah, so that's what I'd like to do. So mm-hmm. call me back in five years and <laughs> yes, <laughs> hopefully yes. I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. So we can
0: talk we can do another podcast just about that. I found, I found that found very interesting subject. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. So Catherine Bur- Burkett, is that the way you pronounce your name? Please pronounce your f- full name. Burkett, Catherine Burkett. Burkett. Yeah, yeah. Burkett. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so please, can you give yourself a plug if someone wants to connect with you and to, to know more about your work? How can we find you?
1: yeah where's the social media (laughs) media. you can follow me on facebook but you'll be very disappointed about how much yeah i
0: know i was trying to chase you there for a long time
1: (laughs) at first i was gonna post everywhere i went every week and stuff honestly i can't be bothered but um Yeah, I do have a Facebook post, which I'll put things up, like obviously I'll put this podcast and Mm -hmm. I put things up when things happen. I do have a website um, and I should have an up-to-date calendar, which I don't have. I I train a lot around the country um, with organisations. So most of my work is with organisations who book me, schools, um, police, high and complex needs organisations, Oranga Tamariki. I do that, I do do parent presentations every now and then, Um, often get get asked by local schools or local organisations to come in and do a presentation on resilience or on um, the adolescent brain, which is always Mm -hmm. a good one, started to do some on the screen time stuff, so they're quite cool, they can be used as a fundraiser or um, just getting people in, but yeah, have a look on my website. I've got a couple of videos and a couple of bits and pieces. I'd like to get a course up and running on my website. But mm. yeah, yeah, so keep a look out. At- Watch my TED Talk, trying to get to 10,000. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really good one. I do recommend,
0: yeah, truly recommend, yeah. It's
1: a good conversation starter. Yeah, it's, it's a nice way of just saying, and so when you're saying to your children, get off the you get off the device, you can say, you remember what Catherine said on her TED yeah. Talk? And you don't have to be the baddie. I can be the baddie, you know, like so. <laughs> um, yeah, so have a look. But it's it's any information that makes us better for each other um uh, you know as friends as colleagues as partners as parents is uh-huh. is pretty cool so hopefully some stuff on there can help you but yeah this podcast has been amazing Very uh, cool. so thank, yeah thank you, you so much people. yeah yeah
0: thank you so much we you know we, we came we did that twice <laughs> 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 yeah, really, really appreciate. It. So yeah, so um, your website is engagetraining.co.nz. We're gonna put on the the link on the description. So, Catherine, thank you so much again. Yeah, and I, I hope hopefully we're gonna see each other again for another podcast because yeah, that was amazing. Lots of good information. So, as you said yesterday, let's keep changing the world, right?
1: Hey, let's keep changing the world. Yeah, because <laughs> we can. Because we can. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. thanks. <laughs>